0: Welcome to Work Chatter by East Cascades Works. We connect talent to opportunity. Here, employers and the 10 counties we serve will learn what resources are available to support their growth. Job seekers will discover the plethora of support available to them as they reach their goals. So let's get to work because now is all we have. Essentially, my role with AGC is to get more people into hard hats. That's really, that's essentially what it is. I do that by running Build Oregon, our workforce coalition, our educator externship, and our workforce grants. Those are the four things that you could say I quote unquote do. Mm -hmm. Do a lot more than that. But that's (laughs) programmatically. Those are the four things that I execute along with all of the other stuff.
1: Welcome. And thanks for hanging out with us today. We're going to learn a lot about AGC and what's this organization all about? Asha, the floor is yours. (laughs) AGC is the Commercial Building
0: Contractors Association. And essentially we are a member, we are a trade industry organization here driven by, very much driven by, and for our members. And that's from public advocacy to communications, to safety, um, to workforce, to pretty much everything. Anything that they want us to do, that's what we do. And that's, Mm -hmm. they give us the leave to do so, but they're really great. So it's it's member oriented, member driven. So, um, I came on board last year, but actually have been part of the coalition for two years. And the reason I came on board was because I had heard at this 2020 meeting about uh, Watts Heating and Cooling who wanted to do this idea of going to their supplier and helping them not prioritize because you can't do that, but to say, we have youth or adults that are interested in construction here's the idea. If I do some initial vetting and send them to you, will you take a serious look at these candidates and either consider putting them to work in your warehouse while they wait for an apprentice program or wait for the next next shot? And the thought being, it would go one of two ways. They would wait and work while they're an apprentice program at a living wage, um, family wage. And then they could either continue their, their career with a Refco, which happened to be the supplier, or they could get out, still working work, living wage, go to a pre- and start being an apprentice and get rolled in apprenticeship, but you're not losing them. They're learning about the industry, they're learning SKUs, the language, um, you know, all of the things that, that will help you when you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before uh, when you get into school. And he rolls out this idea. And then, like you said earlier, COVID hit. <laughs> so uh, when I got here, that's one of the things we're working on. We want to make a priority for this year is to get that up and running again because he had other interested employers. I know Peterson Kat and some of the others were like, uh, yeah, we have suppliers, we could do that. Um, We have a workforce grant program, and that is open right now, actually, and applications, I believe, are due on April 1st, and it goes anywhere from like a 1000 to $10,000, and so we do a lot of school districts, like we'll help them by curriculum, we've helped them by equipment, Um, we've invested in Girls Build, I would assume we do that pretty much every year, um, just because we believe in Katie and what she does. Uh, I try to prioritize programs all over the state. There are great work going on and we do fund some, but I do look for opportunities to make sure I'm funding rural areas, especially when they're like, oh, we're collaborating with this. And it's like, great. Then, you know, or they're starting a JATC or a pre-apprenticeship program. And so we funded everything from camps to curriculum to pretty much everything. There's a video series that St. Helens High School is going to do. They happen to have a phenomenal instruction teacher there. Is super innovative, has his kids out doing everything from like helping like build houses to like actually like helping people, like elderly folks, because St. Helens kind of skews elderly. Um, And so helping vulnerable populations like repair their homes or be safer in it, stuff like that. So he does all kinds of stuff up there. So then we have our educator externship program, which um, is literally just what it sounds like. We take our educators that are willing to do so and we take them to um, the construction industry for a week. And so we take partners that. usually my members and we pay them a thousand dollars stipend and we give them, you know, PPE and we basically treat them to what the industry really is. Back office, asphalt, paving, heavy highway and civil general contracting, um, specialty contracting, you know, pretty much everything that's within the industry. And then they usually see apprenticeship, safety, a two-year program and a four-year program, Mm -hmm. um, all within that like five to seven days. And so the unique thing is, is your region the ESD there, they are one of the best I've seen when it comes to re- interacting with the STEM hub because the STEM hub is based at the C- at, at the ESD, mm-hmm. and they've done they did a cool kind of offshoot into cybersecurity. They did mm-hmm. some manufacturing, they did construction, um, so they kind of do theirs a little bit differently. Where it was only four days and they got kind of everybody involved. That was the teachers; I think they had probably eight teachers, um, but that was our program founded out of a coalition meeting about six seven years ago. And so the the cool thing about that, there are a few people that disagree. I am of the opinion that take it and run with it. So for instance, the Port of Moro started with us, started under us and our members. The Port of Moro, because Kaylee is an absolute rock star, amazing, took the program and found a way to fund it themselves and basically told me, I won't be participating in quote unquote your program this year and having you plan it because she does 90% of it anyways. Then they found a way to fund it. And to me, that's an absolute and utter success story where she loved it, ran it, executed it, and then found a way to make it their own. Because in my world, if you're doing the educator externship program, right, you're incorporating all of your even secondary industries. It could be timber. It could be manufacturing. It could be freaking fishing. I don't know, but I want you to talk to people in your community that are doing those things so that more people in the community are going to want to do those things. And you're starting to break down those barriers of like, well, they're just standing around on a construction site. No, they're actually doing some surveying or no, they're actually looking at architectural plans or, you know, all of those things. Scalable. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have, and I, I'm not, I don't run these, but I work with a lot of heads of them. We have area councils and our area councils usually meet, it's our members and then we kind of throw a breakfast, lunch, party, happy hour, whatever. And then we invite other members of the community in, whether it's workforce or community-based organization, just to connect them. Sometimes it's educators. Sometimes it's our members meeting and saying, I'm not familiar enough sometimes with what's in my local community, but other people are. So sometimes it's members meeting and just sharing resources. Sometimes it's workforce. Sometimes one year it was an educator breakfast, which happened, of course, right before I got here last year, yeah. <laughs> the North coast. And I was like, okay, they're like, follow up on this. I'm, I don't know what I'm following up on. I I don't I'm sorry like so that's taken a little bit to resurrect but that's something the AGC does really well um is that area council thing it keeps us connected and we have different staff liaisons for those so and then workforce under me you know educator externship workforce grants but a lot of things like tracking um our public affairs team does this but I'll assist in reading bills and annotating them if it has to do with workforce um are looking at trying to align the community colleges a little bit better around like okay here's construction here's apprenticeship here's training like doing some community college alignment i'm looking at my to-do list right now i'm like well, what else? <laughs> oh and i run the uh the agc workforce coalition so that's a statewide coalition anybody can be a part of and it's really to come and share resources and when the next actually on thursday i'm going to meet with my coalition chairs so we want to start getting that a little bit more action oriented, not just information sharing. So we're meeting on Thursday to do that, but we also help NAMAC, um, National Association of Minority Contractors, Oregon. We have a close partnership with them. We shared our kind of AGC university with them. Now they do a NAMAC university, getting their contractors up and running and things that maybe they're not as good at. So like, I'm great at being a contractor. I'm not great at running QuickBooks. Well, here's an asset and here's some folks on how to do that. Here's a little bit about social media and why having a web presence does count. Hey, exactly. I'm
1: curious what um what does AGC's take on what a livable wage is? You know, you mentioned the livable wages. I'm curious. What that I'm not
0: going to take a stance on that, and here's why: eighty okay. percent, sorry, seventy-five percent of our contractors are open shop. Okay. So, um, our livable wage is a little bit. It's what is determined by our employers and the contracts that they have, and that's what I that's all I'll say on that because I a don't have the depth of knowledge and B. I'm not willing to speak to how they set their rates. I will say, if you go to build Oregon, all of that was pulled off of bully information. If you look at any of the wage information and an average, if you look at the wage out, if there's like an average or a range that is both, it's a range of open shop and union. So we try to get ranges wherever possible, depending on, we don't wanna speak for a third year apprentice, right? Or a journeyman sure. or anything. Sure. We want people to have a range or a basic understanding. Yeah. Lauren Watts actually is one of my vice chairs. So one of the things we want to resurrect is how do we get that idea that he had and translate it to smaller communities Mm -hmm. to where you might not have in a Refco or a Home Depot or wherever, but what do you have in your local community, like a South coast lumber that could end up employing people in the field while at a good rate, while they wait to get into an apprentice or program or whatever the case may be so that they're still contributing to their community. They've got a roof over their head and like to eat. Um, And, they have kind of a gap because one thing I hear a lot from apprentice programs is, well, don't quit your day job. And you're like, okay, so when am I getting in again? And they're like, ah, you know, soon. And I heard this from a presentation the other day, they're like, Oh, we just tell them not to quit their day job. And I'm like, but if their day job is making them like $10 an hour, that's not enough. That's not a livable wage. That's not a family wage job. Uh So we want them to be working in, you know, upwards of 15 and more to be like actually be able to support themselves while learning about the trade. Right. And that could just be learning about lumber, it could be learning about sheet metal. It could be learning about, you know, parts of some sort. But at Mm -hmm. least they're starting to kind of get that entree into the industry where they're supported, but not just kind of flapping out there in the breeze. Cause there's the the average age of entry into construction is 28. Mm -hmm. So everybody's question is well, what the hell were they doing the last 10 years? And I'm like, well, after hearing that presentation the other now I know what they were doing for the last 10 years (laughs) trying to figure out when when they're getting into a program yeah, and and that's frustrating, you know, and it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a failure on anybody's part, just an opportunity to maybe reassess Mm -hmm. how we're looking at these programs and what we can do in the interim. So we need people. And I'm like, well, you
1: just told them to not quit their day job. Like, I don't, you don't get to have it both ways. Right. Right. Would you say that there's one product or win that you guys have had in the last year that you're really proud of?
0: Our safety protocols in 20, I'm going to say 2020, um, because of what happened right after that, our safety protocols were developed. What felt like overnight they were given to all of our members and anyone that wanted them. It's not a matter of like, Oh, you're not a member. It was, here's your COVID protocols. Here's how you can stay safe on the job site. Here's how you can keep everybody else safe on the job site. Here's how you cannot get shut down by being safe on the job site. Um, and all of the other pieces that come along with that. And we got that out, and I want to say under two weeks um, for free to anybody that would want it. Unfortunately, the man that did that passed away last year. Um, So we had a loss, yeah, in 2020, right after I came on board, that was weird. Uh, It was, I came on board and there's like a bunch of staff (laughs) changes because people retired and of course, Dennis passed away. So that's Mm -hmm. a huge win for us to be able to, to activate like that. And I'll say that that's what AGC does. We activate, we do things. At a high level, and we do them really well. So, if there's a commercial construction, if there's a piece to commercial construction in Oregon, you can guarantee we're going to be at the
1: table. What would you say are the biggest opportunities for collaboration with your community partners?
0: Oh, you know anything. The workforce grant program is a great example. Um, but we're willing to be as just in another meeting that said we'll pretty much say yes whenever we can, and I mean that as in if we can connect you to more resources, if we can not necessarily help fund it, but if we can be that facilitator and that connector, I want to be that. I want you to, if there's other programming that you want to know about in the state, I want you to hear about it through the coalition, and I want to make sure that you get the follow-up information that you need. That's it. Our area councils will do that just as well for AGC as as very much as workforce, Um, and that's what we look, look at ourselves as, as big communicators, facilitators, and conveners. We want the right people at the table, and we're willing to to do that in pretty much any way we can innovate, so if that's getting people together for breakfast, getting folks out for a tour of a job site um, or providing them free COVID protocol information for a job site, we're, we're there to do that too.
1: And your region is the whole state?
0: Uh, the state and I believe five counties in Southwest Washington. Okay, what else should I know? That's, pre- I'm gonna say that's pretty much it right for right now without stepping on everybody else's toes. Like I could talk about public advocacy wins, but much like we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier, what some of the stuff is pretty in the weeds. And so it looks like that's a win, but at the same time, it, you know,
1: it yeah. would take
0: all of John and all of his team to explain why that's a win, even though it is. I know one thing they're really proud of is is the launching Build Oregon, like AGC did that. It was really funny. They were asking, we launched, oh, you know, we, that's also, we, lost, we launched Build Oregon last year. Um, and I have all of the stats that back that up, but we had, I believe it was over by December, we launched it in really late July. And in December, we had over 600 referrals to training programs. Wow. Now those are referrals to training programs. I can't control what they did beyond that. And we're looking right, to find right. a way if we can track it, but like a lead generation system, but that was a big deal. That's also, you know, the, t- the big numbers are the TikTok collaboration we did yeah. in January. And those were just wild. I mean, there's a whole page to it dedicated in our January report. It was like, here's Jacob and here's all the numbers he generated for us. Um, yeah. So that was huge as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I think I would love to see um, those numbers so I could share those out, you know, and celebrate the win with you alongside AGC in this next edition of the Workforce uh, Magazine that we're putting together. That would be awesome. And to give other people, uh, you know, ideas and inspiration, right, of something that's worked inside the industry. Um, Should be in a minute. All right, awesome, awesome.
0: One, one thing I can tell you that I I got literally at three o'clock yesterday that I'll be working on is um, <clears> that I don't know if it'll just be our members, but we, April 1st, everybody's required to do some anti-bullying, anti-harassment training on mm-hmm. the site, so I'm sure you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to come as a shock, not because our members haven't been tracking it, but because they just weren't necessarily aware, right, or, or they already have some form <clears throat> form of training <clears throat> excuse me, um, some form of training already, right. That they go through just as new employees, but mm-hmm. this is a requirement. So I'm actually going to be working on that with my comms person, Carla, on distributing that to our members, uh, how to do it, how to do it. Well, here's the state resources, you know, here's links to other trainers, you know, or we'll be providing free training because we want to make sure that everybody's up to, up to date on that and has the resources. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was the big thing about the COVID protocols is we provided all the resources in the training, um, which is unique for a trade industry association. Normally it's like, oh, it's members only. And us, we're like, fling the doors open. Everybody can come come on in. It's cool, it's cool. And so my boss is very much a believer as am I in that, you know, if you've got something good, it's not yours necessarily to share or monetize all the time.
1: Right, that's an industry changer, right? And typically, historically, equity inclusion, those resources should be shared out. That's sort of the premise of the entire work because we don't all have the same resources and we don't have the same size businesses. And we have small shops that, you know, want to, want to make the right changes, but don't have that support, right? Without that collaborative opportunity. Thank you so much for your time and input. I hope you enjoyed this episode of
0: Work Chatter. Did we help answer your questions? Are there topics you'd like for us to explore? Do you know of someone who should be a guest on this podcast? Reach out by clicking the link in the bio.